Have you ever said something and you were completely misunderstood? This would be where wives could be elbowing their husbands. <laughs> so you're outside working in the yard, you come in, you say, man, I smell really bad, I need to take a shower immediately. And what was heard was, you smell bad, go take a shower. Or, have you ever misunderstood someone? You go to the grocery, you have your list with you, you're picking up all the things you need, and you think, you know, just the other day, I noticed we were out of eggs. You call home, do we need eggs? Okay, I'll get eggs. So you finish your list, you go home, have your eggs with you, and when you get home and you and your, your wife are unloading the groceries in the, the, the kitchen, and she said, why do you get eggs? I just told you I got eggs at the grocery yesterday. What, what, what's up with that, that? Of course, nothing like that has ever happened to me, ever. So misunderstanding, sometimes they're large, sometimes they're small. Now, when I was going through and preparing for this message, there was a misunderstanding I had with the Bible. There was something that I thought was always true, but as I'm looking at it, I'm, I've, I've decided that it's not always true. So let me share my misunderstanding with you. If you would, and some of you in this room I know like to, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, be it paper version or electronic. 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. 1 Peter 2, 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now, when you see the word therefore, that word therefore, and it has stuff that comes after it. In this case, there are five sins that come after the word therefore. But when you see the word therefore, you go, why is that therefore? And you look before the word therefore, and what is before the word therefore led up to the therefore and what you have to do. So I'm looking at these five sins, and I want to know, well, what precipitated them being here, so I need to go there. Now, here's an example of therefore. You've overheard this conversation between a parent and their teenage child, and the conversation that you hear is, therefore, you are grounded for two weeks. Whereas if you'd have been around just about, oh, 10 or seconds sooner than that, you would have heard, you were two hours after curfew, therefore, you're grounded for two weeks. So when we went back before the word therefore, we found the reason for what comes after the word therefore. So in 1 Peter 2, 1, and I have these five sins I'm supposed to get rid of, I want to know what is leading up to my therefore that makes me want to get rid of these five sins. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice 
and all greed, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Okay, turn back to 1 Peter chapter 1. That's before the therefore. I went back to chapter 1 to find out why I needed to rid myself of these five sins. But rather than finding reasons on why I needed to rid myself of these five sins, what I found instead was that Christians have already been changed. Okay, if you'll follow in chapter 1 of your Bible, and those things are on the screen, in verse 3, 1 Peter 1, 3, God has given us new birth into a living hope. In verse 4, we have an inheritance because of what Jesus has done for us. In verse 7, we have the proven genuineness of our faith. How did that come about? Because we have gone through trials, or Peter is writing to the people that he's writing to, and a lot of this, if it's not specific to them, it applies to us. Jump down to verse 18. You were redeemed. In verse 22, you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. In verse 23, you have been born again. Therefore, it did not make sense to me that the first Peter 2, therefore, referred back to something in chapter 1. I didn't see what I read in chapter 1 leading up to the therefore, and I need to get rid of these five sins. So I dug a little deeper. There's a, a, a website that I use often in comparing Scripture. It's BibleGateway.com. You can compare up to five different Scripture versions at a time. There are also some study tools on there if you fork out coinage, which I have not done, you can find a lot of study tools. I haven't done that. Okay. Now, when I want to dig deeper, the first Bible text I go to in the New Testament on that website is this one, Mount's Reverse Interlinear New Testament. I don't know what the reverse means. Sorry. Okay. Now, what Mount's does, and I will show you in a minute, is he takes a line of English. And then below that, there is Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. Now, these letters in the second line, mounts, the letters in the second line are English letters. The words are, the letters together sound like what the Greek words are. So you have the English and you have the Greek. Because I wanted to find out what, what was going on with the therefore? It's sending me back to 1 Peter to, to back up what I find in 2 Peter, of 1 Peter 2, but, but I, I don't find it. You don't have to know Greek at all to use mounts. I know no Greek. I can't even recite fraternities and sororities, okay? I'm that left. Just you don't have to know. Okay, here is 1 Peter 2, 1 in mounts. Therefore having put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Now, what 
the Greek actually is saying here, and Mount says, therefore, having put away. The NIV says, rid yourself of these five sins. But if you go back to the Greek, it says, having put them away already. Now, there are, does Mounts throw me back? To, therefore, does it throw me back to find reasons for the getting rid of? No, it, does, it does not. Now, the five sins, what I learned is those sins have already been dealt with. So, there's got to be something that the therefore, going back to there, is throwing me into in 1 Peter 2. What is it? There are two other translations that I go to when I want to, find, when I want to be picky about something. And that's Young's literal translation. 1 Peter 2.1 starts out, having put aside then. Disciples, literal, New Testament having then laid aside. Therefore, my conclusion on this therefore issue in 1 Peter 2.1 is that these five sins in 1 Peter 2.1 have already been handled by Jesus. Now, none of us is perfect. And these guys over here may show up in our life from time to time, but Jesus has taken care of them. As Aaron mentioned in his communion meditation, how Jesus, a sinless person, took our sin on him and took care of it. Jesus has taken care of these five sins for us. So why did that therefore send me back into 1 Peter chapter 1? This is a picture of my grandson, August. August belongs to Les and Rebecca Striegel. Therefore, August is also a grandson of Aaron. Okay? For right now, he's my grandson. Later, he can be Aaron's. <laughs> the five of us went on vacation. Les, Rebecca, August, Rose, and I went on vacation. And near the time when Les, Rebecca, and, and August, did I say Aaron? He didn't go on vacation, but August did. Uh, when I was taking, Rose and I were taking them back to the airport, oh, two, three, four, five minutes from the airport, August started to get hungry. And he, he groused a little bit, but he was in the car seat and was unable to be fed. And since he wasn't able to be fed and we weren't immediately arriving at the airport where he could be fed, he got a little louder. And then he got a little louder and he cried a little more. If he had had teeth, he would have been clenching them because he was so angry that he was not being fed. And he was wailing up a storm because he was hungry. 1 Peter 2. Therefore, having put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Therefore, like newborn babes, crave the milk that is pure and spiritual so that by it you may grow up to salvation. August has nailed the craving. When it comes to you and your craving 
God's Word. Where are you? If you're like me, I may be doing something important, I may be doing something not important, but I know I need to be reading my Bible. All sorts of other things are really interesting at that time. And I am lured away all too often from reading God's Word. Now, let me interject this here. Some people don't read well and don't like to read. Today, what you can do is you can listen to God's Word in a number of ways. And so if you're a non-reader, but you really do want to get into God's Word, if you contact me today or this week, then I can help you get plugged in to ways that you can get into God's Word by listening to His Word. So here's the question. How can I begin to crave reading the Bible when I really don't crave reading the Bible? No hands, please, no hands, but do you crave reading God's Word? I think there are three things that we can consider as we begin to learn to crave reading God's Word. Number one, the Holy Spirit either spoke through Peter when Peter was writing this letter to these Christians or the Holy Spirit did not speak through Peter when Peter was writing. In my study, I have no doubt that Peter was moved by God's Spirit to write exactly what he did. And if God had Peter to write what he needed to write and it's in the Bible for us, then God expects us, since he said to crave, God expects us to crave the pure spiritual milk of the Word. God either meant it or He did not. Secondly, some of you work extra jobs or extra hours because you want money to pay for either necessities or extra things. Some of you work long and hard and sweat profusely because you're in some kind of sport somewhere and you want to get to be the best in your sport, and you're not playing the sport, but you're practicing and you're rehearsing and you're doing everything all the time to get to where you're really good in your sport. So number two, we do the things we don't want to do in order to attain the things we want. We do it all the time. You do it all the time. Why would that not work with craving God's Word? Number three, as you invest time in God's Word over time, God will cultivate within us an appetite for His Word that we did not have before. It's probably not going to happen instantly, but over time, as we, and here's the word, as we discipline ourselves, as we discipline ourselves, as we do in any number of different other areas, as we discipline ourselves to get into God's Word, we will begin to develop a craving for 
that word, like newborn babes, crave the milk that is pure and spiritual, so that by it you may grow up to salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. So we've tasted. Will we dive in as God expects us to dive in? 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Is it possible? Is it possible that since Jesus was rejected, those of us who follow him may very well ourselves be rejected. And if we are rejected, or if we fear being rejected, do we let that rejection or fear of rejection stop us from being the person that God wants us to be? Out there, not in here, out there, not when you're watching at home, out there, does fear of rejection stop us from saying something when we should? Or does fear of rejection stop us when we should be quiet and not say anything? Does fear of rejection stop us from being the people we need to be? As you come to him, that phrase, it's not a one-time deal. Yes, whenever we came to Jesus initially and became a Christian, he forgave our sins. But this part, as we are coming to him, it's a continuing thing, coming back to him to grow in our relationship with him. You also, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Concerning a spiritual house, do you give God permission for him to place you anywhere in his construction project? No, God, I really don't want to go there. No, I really don't. Do you give him permission to place you anywhere he chooses to place you? And when Peter wrote the part about we Christians nowadays are to be a holy priesthood, the people listening to him and reading his letter, they knew what the Jewish priesthood was like. They understood what the Jewish priests did. And they had an idea of what it meant for them following Jesus to be a holy priesthood. Turn to the book of Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament, right before Matthew, little more than two-thirds of the way through your Bible. You will come to the Old and New Testament. Malachi is the last book in the, in the Old Testament. In Malachi, God is speaking through Malachi the prophet, and God is royally ticked off at these prophets because they are not being the people they need to be. They are not doing the things that they have been selected as priests to do. And so as Malachi is reprimanding these priests, and we, you and I, are to be a holy priesthood, as I go through first uh, Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 1, as I go through these 
qualities that these priests are supposed to have lets you and I, as part of a holy priesthood, examine ourselves. Be honest in examining yourself as we go through and see how we measure up on these priests here. Malachi 2, and now you priest, this warning is for you. God is not pleased with him. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. So as a holy priesthood, what are you and I to do? We're to listen to God. We're to honor his name. Do you honor God by how you live out there in the world? Do you honor God by how you live at home with your family? Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. So the priests were merely going through the motions as they were performing their religious duties. Their heart was not in what they were doing. Is your heart here? Do you come here? Do you watch online merely as something I have to do? Discipline is good. But when you serve others, is your heart in what you do for other people? And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi, big shot Old Testament priest, may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. So what should we do? Revere God and consider him holy. Do you? Revere God and consider him holy? Do your actions say, God, you are a holy God? Or do they say, God, I don't think you're quite so holy, so I'm going to do what I want to do now. Do you stand in awe of God? True instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. What are we to do? Teach and speak the truth? We're to be a person of peace Am I upright? Am I an honorable person? For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. Regardless of what happens, we need to hold to God's truth. And you and I, as part of a holy priesthood, we are messengers for God. We are messengers at school, at work, on vacation, at restaurants, with our friends. We are a messenger 
for God. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. Does your behavior draw people to God or on occasion is your behavior a stumbling block to other people in getting closer to God? So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Do you ever compromise what you know God wants you to do? I've covered a bunch of things today. I want us to focus on one. What can I do, you? What can you and I do? Maybe making a decision today, but what can we implement, say, tomorrow, at the start of the work week, at the start of the school week? What can we implement that will help us to begin to learn to crave and develop cravings for God's Word? Practically speaking, how do I need to discipline myself to read and listen to God? Do you crave getting into God's work? Do you crave God communicating to you what he wants you to do? Should I, should I set aside a certain time to read? Morning, afternoon, evening, should I set aside a certain time? Should I get with a partner, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's by phone, whether it's by text, whether it's online, should I get with someone who is going to help me to be accountable in reading every day God's Word? Should that person and I, should we go on and get on an online devotional or a Bible study? Should we do it together and hold one another accountable in that area? What? Do you want to learn to crave God's Word? Do you want to be in His Word more? Would you bow your head, please? If you really do want to crave God's Word as we're told to do, clearly, if you want to crave God's Word, but even though you don't maybe do it now, then tell God, God, I want to crave your Word. What God has communicated to you as perhaps a step or two that you can do so that you will begin to develop and cultivate a craving for God's Word. What discipline He has mentioned to you, He's placed in your heart, He's placed in your mind, that will help you to begin to develop and discipline yourself. To What is it that God wants you to do to do that? Will you commit that to him, not just 
as a perfunctory thing to do on Sunday morning at church. If you want to crave his word, if you want his word to change you even more, and he's given you a direction, if you will, commit that to him right now. If you're in here and you want to learn God's word, but perhaps maybe along the way you've never made your decision to follow Jesus. You've never made the initial commitment to him. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to go ahead and be immersed. Most things can take place today before you leave. If you want someone to pray with you, if you want to know what would be your next step in growing closer to God, if any of those things are on your heart, when you leave this room this morning and you go into the lobby and you take a right and you see our welcome center, there will be someone there, a decision guide trained to listen to you and to give the responses that you need. You can go back to a room that's private and you don't have to spill your guts in front of anybody else. And they can pray for you or whatever you need. If you're watching online, if you'll get in touch with us through the phone number and the email address, we will contact you no later than tomorrow. Father, you paid a, a huge price. You had Jesus come. He was willing to come. And he, not deserving to die, died in our place. So Father, we, we want your salvation. We want to grow closer to you. And at times we're just flat out stinking lazy. And we don't read your word. We don't listen to your spirit. Father, may we truly be a holy priesthood. May we be the kind of people that live lives that make you smile. May we develop a craving for your word and for listening to your spirit speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.